Why are you crying? Are you serious? Dude, we're on camera. I just take me home, country roads. <laughs> to the place where I belong. West Virginia Mountain Mama. It's a great song. <laughs> oh, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you need to oh, listen man. to today's episode where we get into EMAT and how to navigate those winding country roads in West Virginia. And yes, I love you, John Denver. People are gonna think it's cause I slapped you again. Maybe it was. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode of Pipeline Things. I am your host, Thing 20, otherwise known as Rhett Dotson, and my co-host, Thing 21, Mr. Christopher DeLeon. Not lesser in prominence, but lesser in stature is usually what we go by there. And so, uh, Chris, man, it's great to be with you today. I'm, I'm super excited, feeling energetic. How are mm. you, man? I, I'm, I'm doing great. There's nothing like taking a road trip with you, buddy. I, just, I come back invigorated and, and ready to sit at my desk and, and work. You know, I'm so glad that you said that because, as you know, Miss <laughs> Producer was 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 nailing us. She says we're getting further apart every time that we do an episode. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's true. I feel like you and I, we're we're like this, homie. Yeah. So the fact that you still want to go on the road with me. Uh, hey, you know, close quarters. Where else would mm. I want to be? You know, we've we've already done this before, right? You know, long walks on the beach. You know, uh, nice. You know, coffee time in Sausalito. And now we and, can add to it. Driving through the mountains at 90 miles an hour in West Virginia in a small uh, Bronco. I, and, and, and I learned a lot about you. You know, um, for those of you... You already who, knew that I'm scared to death when you drive. That was nothing new. <laughs> you already knew that I grabbed one handle. Those of YouTube, I'm sorry you have to watch this, everybody else. When Chris drives, I have one handle right here, and then I find something else to grab in the car right here. And yeah. you can see pretty much the white veins. Yeah, it's in a, it's my on the oh, you hold on to the OS bar. Yes. and and the it's arm a rest. literal OS bar for me when you drive. It's <laughs> but absolutely so, true. So if 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 you've known Rhett one, if he does get in in a vehicle with me, he has to go to his little insurance app and say he's not the driver. <laughs> that's that's step one. But what what I also learned about him is he's pretty nostalgic. Oh. He's so nostalgic, right? So we're driving, and 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 one of the things I've I've learned um, from this attention. trip is is John Denver's "Take Me Home, and, Country Roads." Yeah, I, I saw a little tear. Like I played the song, and I was West like, "Isn't there Virginia. a song with West Virginia?" Oh. And we're driving through the the mountains, almost and it's, heaven, and it's peaceful. And and then I saw a little tear. He starts he starts singing a cappella, and I was like, "Wow!" You didn't even know the artist. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's totally true. So I grew up, I mean, with my mom on the big vinyl records, listening to yes, John vinyls. Denver's greatest hits. And, you know, Take Me Home, Country Roads. I mean, I could start singing it now and I'll just take Country yes. Roads. And I, hey, just, do you know what happens if you put a couple fingers on the vinyl and, and move it in the opposite direction? It scratches the vinyl. Uh, or or you, you can make a remix out of it. Mm, you know, I don't think you need to remix. You can chop it, and if you lightly hold your fingers on it, you can screw it, and then you can end up with a chopped screw it up. Version You're right. Of John screw Denver. it up. That was the <laughs> screw it, screw it up. Is how that falls down. Oh yeah, but man, I'll tell you what. West Virginia was beautiful. The mountain roads were beautiful, and yes, it does bring me back to John Denver's song. 
I really enjoyed it. I actually put the lyrics here in case I wanted, you know, to read it. But, you yeah. know, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Yeah, well, it did feel like Country Roads, and, and we were driving through mountains. It was, it was, it was quite pleasant. I tell you what, and I think actually okay. we're going to be able to play off of that today. Uh, those winding <laughs> mountain roads. It's really funny. Apparently there is, from, from, from when you fly into Columbus, right, and you yeah. drive to Charleston. Yeah. There's a very long route, and then there's the uh, the more direct route that was just recently finished, and they let us yeah. know that, hey, if you take this direct route, it's more of a straight shot, and it shaves like 30 minutes off the time or something like that. Um, we'll talk about that a little today, but let's take the audience back to where we were last Wait, week. Wait, so the alternate would be what? Windy roads, near-death experiences. For an extra 30 minutes. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I could probably do the math, but if I take two and a half hours and multiply by the ratio of three over two and a half, that means I'm like 20% more likely to die with you driving in that. So I could that 30 minutes is important to me. I'm so, sure we're going to use that today. I'm sure we will. So let's go back. So last episode uh, where we picked up is we had Sean Moran on, right? And we actually, yeah. we, we, we brought him on. It was fantastic. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining yeah. us on that episode. And uh, he, we brought in the concept of EMAT, and really we talked about uh, his perspectives and your perspectives, uh, being both of you having been on the operator side, both of you having been on the ILI vendor side, yep. which was really cool. And, and one of the things that he brought out of that was talking a lot about the EMAT users group, yeah, right? And uh, I thought it was really cool. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that episode going that way, but how, he, how it went. And what he brought out about really encouraging users to get help in a different form than Absolutely. you and I talk about. Absolutely, I really, really thought he did a great job there. You know, he brought two points home that that I I want to you know restate. One is or emphasize it's number one is it's if you come to ADV, you might be pulled into doing a podcast uh, unannounced. So FYI, all of our listeners and now none of our clients are <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah. By the way, you show up to visit us lab tour slash podcast. They go hand in hand. And two. Um, it was a, definitely a great spin on get help, you it know, was. the idea of, uh, and we're not talking Loki, Thor, get help. We're talking, you know, use your, you know, the elevator scene. <sighs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that could be the next scene that we recreate. So we've recreated the slap. Yeah. We've recreated 50 cent upside, upside down. down. We, might do get we help. can recreate get help. <laughs> Let's be clear. I'm carrying you. You have no chance of carrying It's probably me. true. I don't think I could carry you. That's probably right. But anyway, so I really appreciated how Sean brought brought home another perspective of Get Help, which is yeah. the EMAT users group. So um, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably leverage that that philosophy over but the I next think, episode or two. You know, I think where I want to go today, and uh, really th this is going to be, I think we're about to to go into a journey uh, of of EMAT is yeah. where we're about to take the audience. Right? I yeah, think EMAT is a term, especially if you're in the natural gas industry, that uh, really you've been hearing about a lot. It's a technology you've been hearing about a lot. It's growing in popularity. Um, and honestly, it's had a lot of success. But I still think, yeah. for most of the industry, Chris, there's a lot of questions out there about it. Yeah. Uh, I think you got two camps. I think you have some people, uh, and I'm just going to preface it, deliver the baby yeah, yeah, a little on. bit before. Let's go. I, I think you have two camps of people. You have some people who are familiar with EMAT, and I'm going to say I think they're very confident in knowing how to deploy it because they've made the mistakes themselves. Yep. Then I think you have other people who have no idea. And in, in that camp, there are some people who view it just as like every other technology. Yep. There's MFL, there's geometry, there's IMU, and there's EMAT. You just run it, give me my report. And then you got some who, who know to ask a lot of questions. They don't actually know yep. exactly where to start. I, um, I want to dig into that second camp, right, of really, uh, if, if, if you're going to listen to this episode and you're a, a user of EMAT, 
I think you're going to either identify with a lot of what we're saying and pick up some new things. Yep. Or if you're thinking about running EMAT, this is going to be a very good educational introduction episode. That's what I want to get out of this. Yeah. We'll, so we'll, we'll talk about the ILI system as a whole. Let's do it. You love to use that word, ILI, ILI system. ILI system is where it's at, guys. Pick up 1163. It's not just about the tool. Today we'll probably talk about the tool maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but it's the tool. It's the, the sensoric technology or what we like to call the measurement principle. Knowing, you know, what's the, the physics behind your, your, your ability to acquire data. Um, it's the evaluation protocols. And it's all the processes associated with um, turning that data into information, right? So getting a report. So Absolutely. big time on ILI system. So <coughs> let's, let's, let's again, let's backtrack a bit. Yeah. And uh, maybe you can give us a Reader's Digest condensed version. I don't know if you're old enough to know what Reader's Digest is. I think you are. I used to see the little books in the grocery store when I'd go with my grandma. I, I think she'd go to Rice Epicurean. Dude, I don't know I don't if those know. still exist. More nostalgia from me. My mom used to get Reader's Digest. We had a subscription. <laughs> I used to read the funny things in the back. So if, we wanna, if you want to make him cry or tear up, get him a copy what, of Reader's an Digest. early 90s Reader's Digest. And John Denver. And, and play John Denver and he's going to start sobbing. You walk in the office one day and I'm crying. I'm looking at the funnies out of Reader's Digest and John Denver's on in the background. It'd be some weird thing. This producer has no clue what we're she, talking about. No, she has no clue. Um, no, no, no clue. Yeah. She's not even up to date on today's current events, much <coughs> less funny. the 80s current events. So, uh, God, I don't know why she hangs out with us. Yeah. So, Chris. Reader's Digest version of? Your qualifications or experiences oh. really with EMAT. Yeah, help yeah. catch the okay, audience. Well, I don't up, know about right? qualifications, but uh, yeah, I, let's I, talk I, about experiences. That I, was a I better think, word. I think we've seen a lot and we've done a lot, right? So, um, early part of my career as as a pipeline operator, uh, had the opportunity to to vet the EMAT technology as we were a first time user for it. Um, and then second, um, it was got, a time frame there. I'm sorry, you said first time user. That yeah. was important. So set, set the time. about 2009 to 2011. So again, a little over a decade that, that ago. Time Relatively yep. new in terms of pipeline age and yep. infrastructure. Yep. And um, went through the whole process of understanding how the tool worked. You know, we were committed. We were going to do the inspection. Um, had to go through looking at the data. And, and I think Sean said, you know, from the ILI signal data was presented differently, right? So it's not squiggly lines, which can then be turned into an embossed view or a color plot. Yep. You're kind of introduced to the color plot first, and there's not really squiggly lines, and so you have to learn how to interpret you know, color plots. And then um, understanding just the different approach of, you know, in a spreadsheet, you normally won't get, you know, modified B31 calculations. You know, you're, you have to take a different approach where material properties matter a lot more. And then how do you validate that? So did it on the operator side. That was fun and a great experience. And then as a, as a service provider, you know, I had the opportunity to, to, to lead that business for a while and see, you know, technology improvement, you know, how different. Um, tweaks to the ILI system can cater to different threat mechanisms or different pipe properties or pipe attributes. Um, and, and really, more than anything, I think one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of was being able to tie in um, a framework of yeah, how to use an ILI right. system to address specific threats and integrate relevant information. Yeah. And you and I both had an opportunity to work there with operators from that perspective, right? And I think it's I think it is really important to have a framework. One of the things I like is that, we, you know, it's kind of funny. We coined it the, the crack framework, but that framework extends well beyond just EMAT, I would yep. say. You could actually apply it, honestly, to any threat, any ILI system. But today, uh, with the focus being EMAT, uh, and fully appreciating, you and I have done and seen a lot. I like the way you said that. You've definitely yep. done, and this, 
take it as a compliment. Is it, is you've this, done gonna, more is, than is me. This gonna hit your pride. And you've seen more than me oh, on the Emat side. Hey, that's there, rare. That Don't is put a that rare timestamp. That apply, misproducer, please. Doesn't apply to everything, <laughs> but it applies to Emat. Um, in that perspective, explain to us uh, uh, the Emat measurement principle, right? Because yep. I want to take it back before. And this is why. I want you to think mm. about it this way. A lot of people, when they hear EMAT, yep. they don't hear EMAT, they hear crack tool. Yep. Which means they actually associate it more with what we're going to call conventional crack tools, which is like UCD, sure. ultrasonic, right? I think there are a lot of people out there that don't even understand there's necessarily a difference between the two of them. Sure. EMAT's crack tool. That's it, right? Okay. Uh, so explain to me the measurement, the measurement principle, principle behind EMAT, and I'm going to say how or why it's unique. Cool. Um, first and foremost, it is a it is an ultrasonic tool. I think that's important, mm -hmm. right? I think what what separates this measurement principle from a traditional ultrasonic tool, as we know it in in the pigging world, is that the EMET doesn't require an elastic media to serve as a coupling, right? So that an ultrasound that is produced in a transducer could propagate through the coupling into the pipe wall. So that's what most ultrasonic crack detection tools. Um, that's how they operate. In this case, what, what EMAT does, and EMAT being electromagnetic, so it is a magnetic tool. I'm glad you need to break it down. Your yep. mom is still listening. You need to explain what EMAT stands for. Yep. My mom too. Okay, so electromagnetic acoustic transducer, right? Yes. So you still have a transducer. The difference between EMAT and our traditional um, coupled transducer is it's the ultrasound is produced in the pipe wall right. with an EMAT measurement principle versus in the ultrasonics transducer. And so I, I think that's really important to, to think about. So when, when you're dealing with EMAT and the EMAT data, you're still dealing with ultrasound, right? There's still a, a frequency, there still is um, um, a pulse and a potential echo. And so just, I think that's, that's kind of the first point. So let me, again, so I make it, you know, relatable to most people. I, and I don't know how many people know this. Again, when you run an ultrasonics tool, the, the little transducer, that thing you see on the tool, generates the ping, almost yep. like somebody shouting, right? Yep. And the angle that that is at depends on the medium you're in, but it's yep. generated in that device itself, yep. transfers through the medium, then into the pipe Into wall, the pipe wall. Right? And there has to be a medium there, which is usually a liquid of some yep. form. So it works really well in liquid pipelines because they can shoot right through the medium into the pipe wall. Yep. EMAT doesn't generate it at the transducer. Correct. It uses uh, some really nice physics and mechanical principles. Yep to actually make the sound happen like a pop in the pipe wall itself. So it doesn't care whether there's anything yep. between, let's say, the tool mm -hmm. itself and the pipe wall. And so the difference is it's... But then know, once that's generated, it's still listening for echoes and reflections yep. so and whatnot. So the concept is, um, again, because we're focused on the measurement principle, not the application yes. yet, right? And so if you have a magnetic field and you alternate a current, you can generate an ultrasound in the pipe wall, and that's how it does it. And so what becomes important there is it's uh, eddy currents have a big role here, and when you're dealing with eddy currents, something to remember is it's standoff or distance from the material matters. And we're going to get into that a little bit later about what are the things you need to be careful about when you're working with EMAT, and that's, you know, sensor standoff and things like that. Yeah, so breaking it down basics again, yep. you know, so <clears throat> now that we understand, so it generates the, the sound wave in the material itself, doesn't yep. require a medium. You know, uh, why is that relevant, and, and, or, or how did EMAT find its place in the market today? Yeah, and so what we have to think about is it's, um, you know, we, we like to say there's liquid pipeline and gas pipelines, and there are some in the middle. 
Um, and so when you're when you're dealing with the natural gas pipeline, especially nowadays with a lot of the 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 idea of you know reduction of carbon emissions and all that, you know we don't want to blow down lines, we don't want to do mm. cutouts, we need to take advantage of inline inspections. And so if you have a natural gas pipeline, you know, and you're going to run an ultrasonic crack tool, which requires a liquid coupling, let's just call those tools ultrasonic tools, ultrasonic yep. crack tools. Then um, what's important to think about is it's you have to introduce something else into the pipeline, like gasoline, diesel, Jello, mm. water, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, whereas with with did you say Jello? Yeah, I mean, why not? Did you, you really run it in Jello? <laughs> yeah, I just I, I was I, I guess it, what you said. I'm I guess like, it, I guess it depends. Diesel. I'm like I've seen. Yeah. Check the box. Gas. Check. I've seen the box. Do Jello. Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. If it's if it's packed enough, and you know, you never know. Do you know, think right? they use lime green Jello? I think I don't think the color matters. I think they just care about mm. the sound velocity of the coupling. <laughs> <laughs> if but, you're an operator out there and you have packaged an ultrasonic tool in Jello, will you please email and let us know? Thank you. Let's go the other way. If you have done, if you've done anything other than a refined product or water, uh, let us know. And uh, but anyways, I, I think so. So there was a clear need to say, hey, we need an ILI tool yeah. for pipelines that that transport, you know, natural gas. And so that's where, where EMET had a place. Cool. Has a place. And so I think, again, something else I want people to appreciate. You mentioned you were one of the, the, the first or early adopters, you know, and you mentioned 2009. That kind of sets a benchmark. How yeah. old is EMET, relatively speaking? I think some of the, the early, um, what I'm going to call applications, can probably be dated towards like the 80s. And mm. it, from a measurement principle perspective, measurement right? Princi That's yeah. what I'm saying. From like right. an applications perspective, I think from an inspection perspective, uh, the date could kind of slip depending on where in the world. And if you want to consider pr commercial projects or pilot projects, I'd say between 2006 and 2008 <clears throat> was, like when, you, was when you started right. seeing, you know, legitimate ILI tools being offered commercially that were equipped with that were equipped EMAT. with EMAT yes. technology for crack detection. Cool, yep. cool. Um, now, as we get into that, we've talked about the measurement principles. Uh, I want to dive into one more question. Yeah. Because I think we get this a lot, and I don't think it's well understood out there. Yeah. Are all EMAT deployments the same? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. This is where I think an operator would, would really do well at asking a series of questions. And so if we're going to talk mm. about are all EMATs the same? There are a series of questions that I think are important to ask. And so we'll, I'll try to address a couple of them kind of rapid fire. Uh, number one is it's ultrasonics. Um, their accuracy and their resolution depend a lot on sensor size and, and frequency of the ultrasonic wave. And so generally ultrasonic crack tools operate at, for example, an order of magnitude higher frequency than an EMAT tool. And so does that mean EMAT isn't as good? I would say, well, it depends. Um, the second thing to think about is uh, EMAT sensors today um, are, I will say, significantly larger than ultrasonic crack transducers, right? So on average, you're probably going to see an EMAT sensor a little over an inch, yeah. whereas ultrasonic crack transducers are probably, you know, half an inch to yeah. a quarter inch. And so I think that really affects um, the ability to detect different flaw sizes, right? So if you have a, a larger sensor, you need a larger flaw to be able to detect it, or, or you won't be able to small, find smaller flaws. Uh, the other thing is it's, um, it is ultrasonic, right? So what direction are you sending the wave? Is it along the axial direction, mm -hmm. circumferential direction, helical? And so that those that's another really important question to ask. Yeah, you actually, you know, it's kind of funny. You went a different direction with that, still useful. But I meant more in terms of the EMAT technology deployment itself yeah. is not the same across all vendors, right? Yeah. 
so, so, do so the application. Can, can so, so, about, yeah, let's talk about the yeah, application. So here's another way. Another question that you, you want to ask or something you want to understand is it's, um, there's at least two different applications in the market now, which we could call like a, um, a long-range UT and a short-range UT, right? And so um, if you were to look at a tool, if it has, you know, maybe sensors at, you know, uh, 12 o'clock, you know, maybe, you know, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6, and it just kind of sporadically around, then you're probably going for more of like a pulse, you know, and then maybe not echo, but maybe receive, mm -hmm. or pulse echo um, along a longer range of the circumference of the pipe. Uh, a different one would be a short wave, right, yep. where you have a much smaller w inspection window where maybe you have between 1 and 3 o'clock, you probably have, you know, 5 or 6 sensors. Yes. And so each of those are, are, are have advantages and disadvantages. And so it's important to also understand, I'll call that the, the application of the right. EMAT sensor, right? So long range or short wave. So just recapping that, you know, again, I think most people, uh, it's relevant to talk to the vendor or understand the vendor, how the application is, is deployed, right? Absolutely. I see it again, you know, there, there's, there's one deployment that, that's, that goes around the circumference of the pipe a much larger and then listens for reflections back, right? Yeah. So it's shooting, let's say, maybe 20 or 30 degrees. I'm making up a number because I don't yeah. know the specifics. Yeah. Uh, but then you've got a different one that actually shoots over a much smaller. It's looking at like a one inch, one and a half inch circular yeah. down the line of the pipe. And yeah. those two uh, would be expected to have different limitations and be impacted in different ways. And have, and that's the yeah, important and thing. have different ways of, of doing the evaluation back to yeah. the ILI system evaluation. You know, <laughs> You mentioned asking questions, and I kind of yeah. like that idea. I um, I want us to get into a series of questions, but before <laughs> we do, before we, I think I'm actually going to role play here. Before we do, I think it's a good moment for us to take a break and hear from someone else other than us. So, Mr. Producer, I'm going to turn it over to you. Hi, I'm Kara Turner. I am the managing director and co-founder of ADV Marketing. We get the honor of working with Rhett and Christopher to produce this crazy podcast and also work with them on any other initiatives that they have when it comes to marketing. And if you know them or are listening to this podcast, you know that it gets pretty crazy around here. So we have a lot of fun with them. ADV Marketing is a full-service business-to-business marketing agency. Um, we specialize in service companies and technology companies. So if you are enjoying listening to this podcast and the fun that they're having, reach out to us and see how we can make your marketing fun. Welcome back. Thank you very much. I'm glad to report that Ms. Producer is still with us. Um, she did ask for an apology from our errant comments last time around. So, Ms. <laughs> Producer, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I, if I upset you in any way. Um, but going back to the, uh, the show, she didn't really. She's a good sport, y'all. So, uh, Christopher, we touched yep. on the, the EMAT measurement principle. We touched on the application, yep. uh, everything. Uh, anything else before we move on that you, you want to hit on with regards to EMAT? Yeah, when you're considering an EMAT ILI system, um, a lot of it boils down to performance specification, right? So anytime you're going to look at an ILI tool or IE an ILI system, always take a look at the performance spec and make sure you understand what it's going to be able to do. So what would you expect to see in an EMAT performance specification that may be different or similar to what's in an IMU? Okay, um, in an IMU, you normally won't see things like POD, POI, and sizing accuracy. Mm. So if you're going to look at an EMAT specification, I would encourage you to 
try to understand those. What's my probability of detecting something? Yep. And what are those thresholds? So how long, how deep, how wide does it need to be? The crack-like features. Yep. Probability of identification. So what's the probability that you'll take that indication, that signal in the data and properly identify it as crack or non-crack-like? And then sizing accuracy, which yep. is, you know, how accurate is it at determining its length, its width, and its depth. Now, there's something else that's unique about EMAT that also may appear in the spec that you're not going to see, right? So EMAT's going to deal with the crack-like features, yep. but it's also going to touch sometimes yep. on coding, right? Yep. And so I actually would like you to bring that out a little bit. Yep. What is What are EMAT's capabilities as it pertains to coding? And Because I feel like most people are not familiar with that. We saw a lot of people would run it. Yeah. And they would neglect to get the coding assessment as part of the EMAT. Sure. So I'll go back to the measurement principle. So if you are introducing an acoustic wave, think sound, yeah. into the pipe wall, and if you have a coding that is adhered to it, it will have an attenuating property. And you can pick that up with, with some of your sensors, whether it's on the receiving side or the transmission side. Um, and so that, that's kind of part one. And so if, if you can begin to model or understand or interpret the attenuation, you can start correlating that to other things like coding type, yep. or even if the coding is intact, i.e. bonded or disbonded. Wow. And so a lot of times if you look at a performance spec, you might be able to see that. And so you'll do the same thing. What's the probability of detecting something? Is the coding yep. type and or the level of disbondment and identification, what type of coding or how well they're going to be able to identify And the, the important thing that I want mm -hmm. the operators or the listeners to hear there is that the coding assessment is separate from the actual crack yeah. assessment in many cases. It's another right? evaluation. It's a whole other evaluation yeah. that has to be inquired about, but again, a very useful one. Yeah. So another common thing that we get before we get, and I feel like we're winding on these, I want to go back winding on these country <laughs> roads, right? We're about to get direct and head home, um, is uh, EMAT a lot of times is not run alone. Yeah. It's run in combination with another technology most commonly MFL. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, kind of picking at your words a little bit. When you say in combination, I think it's important is it's it's normally not a combo tool, i.e. they're mechanically coupled. That's fair. And, and you can run them in tandem. Yeah, the use of the word combination there did not <clears throat> yeah. mean combination tool. I, I, yes, in tandem yeah. or sequentially, yep. run at the same time. Yep, and so the idea there is it's, um, if you think of an ultrasonic pulse, um, it's going to get reflections. And so if you have any discontinuity in the parent material, i.e. wall thickness, you can find reflections. And so how do you now separate what is something like a change in geometry of the wall thickness, mm. like an EFW long seam or an untrimmed ERW long seam versus a corrosion feature that maybe is kind of steep and not gradual. Um, and so what happens there is there's a bit of a data integration in the evaluation protocol. Right, so if you use an MFL technology, um, normally we've seen either like a circumference or an oblique angle that becomes pretty helpful, I'm not saying that it's limited to that. It allows you to kind of rule things out, yeah. right? So if you have some pretty steep corrosion and you know you're not dealing with near neutral SCC where you have corrosion and cracking in the same area that are very overlapping, then the MFL can, can really help rule out things that aren't cracks and you can hone in your evaluation for the EMAT data. Absolutely. So it, it definitely has benefits to running EMAT in combination with uh, another technology type for yeah. those reasons. Common question we get, yeah. how closely together should they be spaced? I've got an e <laughs> I've got an AFD or a transverse MFL yeah. that I ran 18 months ago, Christopher. Yeah. Should I put another one in the line at the same time as the EMAT? Why or why not? I love how you sat back when I asked that question. Like, yeah. come on, we're on the country roads. Take yeah. me home. 
Uh, take us home, huh? You're All holding right. on to the, the bars? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll take us home. I will say, um, number one, always talk to your ally vendor. Don't d- don't take my advice in this scenario. Because it's not very good. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't where you were going to go? <laughs> because, take his advice. Because it's it's, it's, it's it's situational. It is true. That it is, is situational. True. So if you think about it, here's the, here's the approach I'm going to take. I wonder if you're going to like this. I'm, you're dealing with a time-dependent threat. So how much time can, how much time can you have between two data sets when you're dealing with a time-dependent threat? And that's kind of the point there. And so um, when you're, if you have an inspection that you want to leverage, talk to your ally service provider and find out if they think that the data one is compatible and to how they'll be able to use that data set to integrate with the EMAT. Absolutely. That's no, kind I of love the way, that's kind of the, way the time to been inside. All right. So here's where we are. We're going to make it relevant now because we're going to get in. Uh, I want to role play a little bit. This, oh this is going to be fun, right? We haven't done this yet on the show. Are we going to get like a whiteboard and Oops. a chart or something? Like Pictionary? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know, I don't know how we're going to do it yet. <laughs> but a lot of times we get operators to call us the first time they've run EMAT or they're thinking of running EMAT. Yep. And I'm going to play the role of the operator. I want you to play the role of the consultant, right? So we're going we're gonna to... I know it's hard for you to be no, a consultant. No, 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 no. No, so, so we're, we're going to play what we advise. So you're going to call for help. You know, I say, let's do it. You're going to call, call for help. All right, you ready? Okay. All right. So here we go. All right. <clears throat> Total simulation. I don't know if you... We, my wife and I watch a show called Big Brother, and they do this sometimes okay. in the diary room. That may not have <laughs> gone with you. All right. Ready? Ring, ring, ring. Ring. I'm called. This is a call. You're supposed to oh, mirror the call. No, Pretend it's, like... It's, it's, let's it's try wet. again. One, two... When Rhett calls, do you really answer the phone? Do you answer? Or do you text right. them and say, I'll call you in five ring, minutes? Ring, ring, ring. It's your uh, favorite client. What do you client. do? Ring, ring, ring. Okay, fine. Favorite it's client. your favorite client. Hey, what's going on, Rhett? What can I do for you, bud? Christopher, I, um, you know, my upper management, so we, uh, we actually just found, we think it's SCC okay. on a line. And um, we've actually never had or experienced that threat before. Oh. And um, okay. my management is thinking of running EMAT. Yeah. And so they've told me to go do some research. So honestly, Chris, I don't even know where to begin. I'm, oh, right. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you because sure. I heard you know something about EMAT because I listened to this podcast called <laughs> Pipeline Things. It's my number one rated podcast ever. <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping you can help me out. Okay, great. Why are you laughing at me? I, 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 I just I, I love your your approach to this. It's great. You're doing a good job, by the way, bud. Okay, so you gotta so, stay in character. So ba- oh, character. All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, you want to have fun with this stuff, but anyways, okay. So you guys have Chris, not. Chris, we found re- SEC. This is not fun. <laughs> Did you try buffing it out? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, don't do that. Okay. Um, so first and foremost, uh, on this specific pipeline, uh, do you know if it's pickable? You know, do you uh, have a launcher and receiver on it? It is pickable. We actually, um, it is pickable. Uh, we have two prior inspections with okay. with MFLA and Caliper. Excellent. About how long ago were they? Roughly. So w- this is a regulated pipeline. We've been running okay. on seven-year intervals. I think our last one was 2017, if I'm not. Yeah, I think we ran it at the end of 2017. Awesome. Uh, do you have any pictures that you can share? Of, of what we found in the field? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think we get a dig report back this week. I- I'll dig those up and, and, and get it over to you. It should have pictures of what was found in the field. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's really important. So here's kind of where I was going with that is it's if we can get a picture, we can begin to appreciate if you're thinking, and I guess let me hear your thoughts on it. Do you think it's classical high pH SEC or more like a near neutral? We found, I, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to get that level of, of detail back. Okay. Uh, we actually, we, we sleeved it. Uh, right now, we really can't take the pipeline out of service. We might, we might cut it out later. 
and have an assessment done. But honestly, right now, all I know is somebody in the field said it's SCC. Okay. And it's got a sleeve on it. No worries. All right. So as soon as you get a chance, please send us the pictures. That'd be great. Uh, definitely. Awesome. Okay. Next thing I want to ask is it's uh, what's the product in the line? What are you guys moving? Uh, natural gas. Okay. Methane. It's it's dry. No 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 sour gas. Uh, no liquids. It's it's pretty standard. Okay. Are you guys operating above uh, 400 psi or below? Um, uh, we we typically operate pretty regularly. It it runs on a bottled fashion and it sits above 600 psi for the most awesome. part. Awesome. All right. I appreciate that a lot. Um, the other question I have is it's um. Do you have any? Do you know if any of the wall thickness is above a uh, half inch? Uh, Chris, I. I think we have a few bins, actually not a few field bins, but maybe, uh, I think we have a few HCA locations okay. uh, that I think might be right at a half inch or not. I, okay. I, I have to look and see from the last inspection. It, it's pretty limited. Most of the line is around 312. Okay. And um, it, it sounds like this is natural gas. How do you guys feel about your material records, specifically um, what you would probably want to use for some kind of fracture toughness or Sharpie value? So I, I honestly, I haven't looked at that at all. I know we're on a 607 campaign for this line right now. I think okay. the records are, are pretty good, okay. Chris, but sure. I, I, it's a different That's team a that start. deals with yeah. the 607 stuff. That's I, helpful. I, 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 I'd have to look, get back with you on that. I think I'd, I'd say it's it's about average for our lines. Okay, no, that's that, that's great. I, I really appreciate that comment. And um, next question I have is it's um, you, you guys said you want to run. Um, do you have an idea? Of, are you going to do that in the next six weeks, six months? You're not sure yet. You see, this is one of the questions I was asked. You know, is how quickly can we get an emat? Right. So okay. obviously, I got a lot of pressure from management right now. They're talking about wanting to put an emat next week in the line. Oh boy. Um, but you know, I mean, we got we got seven months left of the year. I, Chris, honestly, I don't know which direction it's going to go. Realistically, what do you think? How quickly do you think we can get an EMAT in the line? Um, so EMATs are pretty popular these days. Um, I would say you guys definitely need to start the planning of that if, if you guys want to try to get something in the line soon. However, that doesn't mean rush things. Um, you know, this is a windy road. You want to be careful. Uh, you, you want to take your curves, you know, with a little bit of caution. Are you familiar with a guy named John Denver? He wrote a song about country roads. You're making me think of that. <laughs> All right. Well, all I'm saying is this is going to be a windy road, especially if it's your first go at it. You know, this isn't a, a multi-lane interstate that you get to just speed through. So we want to be so, conscious. So, you know, that actually leads me to something. Are you saying, I'm sorry, Christopher, I, I, I have to interrupt you. Are, are you, do you. Are you saying you don't think we could get an EMAT within the next month? Or do you think it's it's possible that we, we could? I just need to yeah. tell my management what time frame they're realistically looking at. Yeah, so I, I would um, my advice there is, is get in contact with your with your okay. ally service providers. Okay. And I, I think what I was getting to was um, I have to is it, is it a safe assumption that you guys don't have an ILI procedure and response criteria for crack like features using EMAT? This will be our first Honestly, Chris, this will be our first inspection with, with EMAT. We were planning on using just our standard response criteria from what we already have. You know, so okay. like 80 percenters. Okay. Is, is that something we should be okay. looking so, at? Here's a suggestion for now. Um, start building your pipeline questionnaire. You could probably use as a starting point the one from your previous inspection. Yeah, I was just going to dig that one up and forward yep. it over. In fact, when I've been, I have been reaching out to the vendors. I've just been sending them that one. Is that Okay. So I would encourage you to... to See if there's any major changes to that, number one. Uh, second thing I would encourage you is definitely get on the phone with them and start figuring out what tool availability is going to be because th there's a process there. And the third thing that I would encourage you to do is it's if you don't have a copy of API 1176, I would encourage you to start getting your hands on one of those because we're probably going to be using that as a reference. Okay. 
Um, Chris, I, get, I apologize. I've got a meeting in about five minutes with my management. I've taken all notes on the brilliant things you said, but I, I, anything else you need to let me know before I go? Yeah. Um, make sure you have an OS bar because this is going to be a fun ride. Chris, I said I had five minutes left. You can't leave me on that. You can't leave me on that, but it sounds like you're breaking up. I'm losing you. Click. Um, oh my gosh, my hand was actually kind of hurting holding it there. Usually I think whenever people do that. So for the audience that if you weren't on YouTube, couldn't see, Chris and I were simulating being on the phone with each other. Um, Chris, you know, that simulated phone call there was actually yeah. kind of fun because I felt like you were trying to ask me things, but to see if I knew because I've never been an operator, but the yeah. reality is you and I have both been through phone calls, yeah. bits and pieces of that, very similar. Um, I want you to take me back through what you were trying to do on that phone call because we asked yep. a bunch of, you asked me a bunch of series of questions yep. and I'd like you to recap. If you're thinking of running EMAP for the first time, what were the bullet points that you just tried to bring out of that conversation? Yeah. So. When, when you want to do any inspection, you really need to understand the physical and operational parameters of the, the asset you're going to inspect because each ILI system, back to the performance spec, will have essential variables. And essential variables are those things associated with an ILI system that if you deviate from them, it can impact the ILI tool's ability to perform. And so things like that can be pressure ranges, wall thicknesses, um, velocity changes. So, for example, an EMAT system may have an operating range of no more than, you know, six miles per hour and can't inspect a wall thickness greater than half an inch. Yep. And so Pipeline Questionnaire normally captures all that. So by asking, has it been picked before? Um, you know that a lot of that data is already going to be generally available. The other thing is if you found this stuff, uh, if you have a picture of it, that allows, that tells a lot in one, in mm -hmm. one thing, right? We can start understanding how it's coalescing. Is it a single feature? Is it in the pipe body? Is it in the long seam? Yeah. Is it interacting with the dent? What type of corrosion is it? It allows you to quickly understand what the threat mechanism is. Right. And then you can pull on EMAT's history to say how well has it done in these environments. Right. And then the other thing was it's um, normally you want to have some kind of framework in which you're operating in. You know, as a pipeline operator, you have to have written procedures as part of your integrity plan. And so um, running an EMAT will have its own protocols that are needed for response criteria. And so if that's not in place, then you kind of know how you're going to coach them. Yes. And then the last thing was um, whether it be the EMAT users group type information or API 1176, um, try to give them something to hold on to while you're not on the phone with them that they could start learning material from. Yeah, you referred to that as an OS bar. I like that. <laughs> uh, I like take me home, country roads, right? And I'm grabbing onto the OS bar. <coughs> I, uh, I think there was a lot there. What I really like and I want to hit on, but we're not going to have time in this episode, is that the it's really hitting on that response plan. But yep. that's a whole nother episode in of itself, man, for yep. us to get into that. What to do after you trap a tool is a whole another ball game. I actually think this is a great place to wrap up this episode. I'm going to tell the audience, come back for the next one, because we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to continue to make some sense of those winding roads and take us home. But hopefully, you know, what I hope you took away from this one is we talked a lot about the introduction to EMAT uh, as an ILI system. Yep. And in that, we broke down the measurement principle, the different applications, and even the performance spec. Beyond that, once you commit to wanting to run an EMAT inspection, it's a good time to begin asking a bunch of questions and understanding yep. the essential variables. Is, is it the right ILI system for is you? Is it the right ILI system? Anyway, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode. That's where we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Thing 20. This is my co-host, Thing 20 Fun. And it was great to be with you today. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>